Don't miss the latest stories and analysis about the future of education from the ReLearning Project. Sign up for the weekly newsletter at chronicle.com slash relearning. Hello, and welcome to the Chronicle of Higher Education's ReLearning Podcast, a weekly look at the future of education. I'm Jeff Young, and I'm here today with Goldie Blumenstick, who earlier this year went to an unusual spot on Georgetown's campus. Right, Jeff. Hey, it's uh, the place I visited. is uh, It's called the Red House. It is a red house. Good name. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, it's uh, this little clappered house right at the edge of campus, which is kind of significant because it's not in the heart of campus. It's kind of this little skunk works on the side of the campus. And inside, it's um, there's whiteboards all over the place, and festo- there's all the boards are festooned with these yellow sticky notes and everything. And there's words like iteration and semester and rethinking and reimagining. And it's basically the place where uh, a project at Georgetown called Reimagining the Future, the Futures, actually, it's taking root. These days, there's so much talk and think pieces about is college irrelevant or is it too expensive? And there are more and more upstarts offering kind of alternatives to the college degree as we know it. So this kind of fits into that, right? Yeah, this project at the Red House is really Georgetown's answer to this whole end of college narrative. Um, It's headed up by an English professor there named Randy Bass. Um, Randy is is a longtime um, director of the Center on Teaching and Learning at Georgetown. But this new project, it actually asks a lot more fundamental questions about the future of higher education, more than just how classes should be taught. Now, I have to say it's higher ed, and so as at all institutions like this, whenever somebody comes up with um, ventures for new ideas, there's sometimes reservations and some concerns, but um, it's been making some pretty good progress at Georgetown. And frankly, some of the ideas that they have at Georgetown could not only change that institution, they could really have a real ripple effect throughout higher ed. That sounds like a heavy lift. Can colleges that are hundreds of years old change the way they do things? Well, guess what? That's exactly what I decided to ask Randy when I went over there to talk to him. You know, as you may notice, we have above our fireplace a banner that says, yes, a university can reinvent itself. And that, that's, that's meant to be our um, you know, way of saying to those who are outside of these institutions that, that we actually believe that there's a long tradition of innovation inside higher education and that what we need to do is have enough um, sort of um, ambition and coordination to be able to work um, across the constraints of our own structures to be able to unleash what I think is really a tremendous amount of innovation and uh, interest in innovation that uh, exists inside our institutions. We hear a lot of talk these days about how higher education is being unbundled. Maybe students will get courses from a mix of college and even, even from companies, and maybe they'll get mentoring and job advising from other places. But Bass says, universities should actually embrace the role as an integrator of the many experiences that students get when they go to college. I think what all institutions, um, the so-called legacy institutions, <laughs> need to grapple with is what I... Legacy institutions like those founded in 1789. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, you know, traditional institutions, so, so, so to speak, need to think about what, you know, I've been calling rebundling and uh, Traditional institutions, even with traditional four-year degrees, often have a great deal of disconnection between the curriculum and the co-curriculum, or between student affairs and academic affairs, or between advisement and placement. Um, so I think what we need to do is find what is the right remix going forward, and it'll take us you know, many, many years to f- work this through, between the affordances of unbundling that the internet now gives us, and the ability to connect new kinds of pathways, connect different services, connect 
disparate parts of the student's experience in ways to create a more integrated experience for students. Um, even under a bundled four-year degree, I think students often don't have a very, always have a very integrated experience of their four years. It's just bundled. So I think we can actually do a lot better, not just Georgetown, but all of higher education, at um, helping students create a more integrated experience, and that might be by connecting and making strong connections, in, including building their own narratives around these different unbundled pieces. How did you get into this? I mean, you were you started out as an English professor, right? What was your specialty? Uh, 19th century American literature. Okay. Um, from a family of academics at all? or No, not especially. Um, <laughs> but I think the work that I've been doing, really, for most of my time has been uh, really around the space of reimagining ways that you can teach and the ways that people can learn in different kinds of spaces. Uh, when I was in graduate school at Brown, I was lucky enough to be involved with some very early work on multimedia, um, creating these rich interdisciplinary multimedia archives for school-age children. And it completely opened my eyes to the potential of digital environments. This was pre-web in the late 80s. The potential of digital environments to be uh, integrative learning spaces. And I think really what has you know, influenced me all my life has been uh, this notion of an integrative education and where, how can we reimagine, including what's the potential of technology to help make learning both more meaningful and more integrative for people of all ages. And then the movement to the, you know, for the formation of the Red House, was there some aha moment where you thought it's not just about multimedia, it's not just about multidisciplinary, multidisciplinarity, is that the word? Um, but there there's, should be another step in this process? Well, I think that that was both a convergence of things that I started to realize the last few years that I was running the Center for Teaching and Learning, um, where I could see that there was a limit to how much innovation or transformation could actually take place if you were working only faculty member by faculty member in the, um, you know, um, within the boundaries of just their own courses. That we were not going to um, exact a broader change just working course by course. It doesn't make sense to innovate something that you hope will change the institution way off on the side in a way that it's completely hived off. But the other thing is that I think that the next phase of higher ed's existence <laughs> has to be about creative integration. Like we, we have, we're really good at adding things and aggregating and expanding. You know, when you think about it, like 40 years ago, the co-curriculum as we know it didn't exist. You know, there was social stuff and, a, you know, little, there are small amount of things. But the kind of really sophisticated co-curriculum, high-impact practices and internships and supports and all the incredible residential living like that, this is all like the last 30 or 40 years has really flourished. Every department, fields of knowledge have expanded. Like, there's everything about the university that's all about expansion. And that's one of the reasons that we can barely afford to be ourselves. <laughs> so I just feel like, you know, part of the heart of this work, part of this work for every institution has to be how do we significantly improve ourselves through integration, through creative integration? Whether we think of it as rebundling or reconnecting or unbundling and reconnecting, it has to be about connecting things that haven't been connected. Part of the vision at the Red House calls for a very different role for the faculty. 
But the trick is, how do colleges account for all the different things professors do when they're working with students? I think if we look across the next 5, 10, or 15 years, you know, one of the consequences of the explosion of options to learn things online is that our value and our quote-unquote value proposition will increasingly be on the high-quality interaction of faculty. Some of that will be in the classroom, and increasingly some of that will be outside the classroom. That cannot expand if all of that work is happening outside of how we charge for credits and how we credit faculty with workload. So um, one of the things that we're trying to help people do is to reimagine how some of the mentoring work they do with student sustained project work could be on both sides of the ledger, brought under the credit bearing experience and counted as teaching loan. The Red House is working on a lot of ideas, one credit modules, a special focus on the last semester, a bunch of others. But Bass says there's really one key to all this innovation. Many people have asked me, you know, at various times in this process, what's the one thing that you, you absolutely have to change to do the work you're doing? And I think they all want me to say tenure, <laughs> but I'm never taking that bait. <laughs> I think the number one thing is moving away from the one-size-fits-all semester model. I think that as we are doing the um, design work, as well as the cost modeling on the experiments that we're undertaking, if you can think in units smaller than courses, if you can think in units smaller than three credits and in time spans shorter than semesters, as a way to create new configurations of meaningful learning, you have exponentially expanded your flexibility in creating um, a sustainable curriculum. So it's the end of the course as we know it. I feel fine. Um, no, this, these are actually yeah big ideas when you when you think about it, and um, obviously this would raise a lot of logistical challenges if you have these kind of modules and all this. But uh, but I think the bigger the bigger thing really is the culture, right? I mean, what was the reaction you heard on campus, Goldie? Well, to be honest, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I think the um, faculty, in particular at Georgetown, are very open to innovation and open to change. I'm not so sure they're com- fully convinced. But the reason for all this, this notion that there's an existential threat to a college like Georgetown, hasn't, that case hasn't really been made to those faculty members. And while they're, they're fine with the idea of, you know, let's, changing the, let's change some semester courses into modules or things like that, I don't think they quite necessarily feel this compulsion to sort of upend the whole enterprise. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, I know we both go to a lot of conferences, and it does feel like you're either in the room with the people that are all, like, so convinced that everything's going to change, or you're in the room with maybe faculty groups that, that are sort of really more about the traditions and the way things have been done, and, and they, they obviously both have points, but... Yeah, and I think ultimately, fundamentally, one of the things that Ra- um, Randy Bass is talking about is kind of changing the nature of teaching. And I think the point there is you, you can change the nature of teaching, but the only way to really make that work f- throughout the institution is to change the business model that underlies that. And it seems like this project is kind of an acknowledgement that it's, it's bigger than just some teaching and learning center tweaking something. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's... You know, you have to change the way faculty are compensated and maybe even have to change the way students um, pay for college. This has been the Relearning Podcast. It's part of the Chronicle of Higher Education's coverage of innovation at colleges. And you could read our articles on chronicle.com slash relearning, including my story on the Red House. Definitely check out that article. If you like this podcast, subscribe on iTunes or your podcaster of choice. And please take a minute to give us a rating. To share your thoughts about whether legacy institutions need to change or how much they do, um, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash relearningproject. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at relearningedu. Today's show was produced by me, Jeff Young. 
Our theme music was by Jason Cadell. We'll be back next week with more stories and analysis about the new learning landscape.